Alexa, play the Fighting Irish Faithful podcast. Playing Fighting Irish Faithful. You're listening to the Fighting Irish Faithful show where we refuse to argue with Purdue fans because, come on, it's Purdue fans. Tonight, episode 20, we're going to recap Notre Dame's last game of the regular season of 2020 versus Syracuse. We're going to go around college football, look at its landscape of last week's games that were played, and discuss games that are currently tentatively about to happen this coming weekend do a little bit of playoff talk, and we're going to evaluate the 2020 Notre Dame football team versus past regular season undefeated Brian Kelly coached squads. That's a mouthful there. So here we go. Sit back, relax, pour yourself a drink, and feel good, everybody. Feel good. The Irish are undefeated. Let's do this podcast because we got to buy. Let's go, Irish. what is going on fighting irish faithful welcome back everyone to episode 20 i can't believe we are at 20 episodes already this season uh, with only 10 games under notre dame's belt this is really great and here we are in a pandemic year and it's christmas around the corner and did not think i was going to be podcasting but right before christmas here this is so great thank you everyone for joining me uh to the show you can find me if you're new uh through nd nation or youtube fighting irish faithful or on spotify itunes all that good stuff thank you very much if you're new or you're a new follower uh, follow me on Twitter at faithful underscore Irish. Uh, so great to interact with everybody. Tonight, we're going back to the Glen Bar single malt scotch whiskey. Yes, this is a recycling of scotch from last week. But hey, it's Christmas season and I got to do some shopping here, right? So I don't just have money rolling around here, right? You know, we got we to gotta put in some Christmas presents, got to do a little Santa uh, we did order some stuff for some family uh, this night, but that's not why we're here. Uh, we're going to talk about Notre Dame football for your pleasure. So thank you, everyone. Let's get straight into it, and let's talk about Notre Dame versus Syracuse. Notre Dame finishes off their regular season schedule with Syracuse at home. Senior night, it's always great to have the seniors go out with a win, especially during an undefeated season. Recall that these seniors here were new to the program right after Notre Dame went 4-8 and eight in 2016. It really shows their commitment to the university and the hard work they have put in to overcome that obstacle 
and those challenges from when they first started and when they first joined the program. Uh, no green jerseys, but that's okay. Uh, that was just kind of a wild card thought that I had because, hey, sometimes that happens, but this year it did not, and that is certainly okay. I think back to when I was a student at Notre Dame, my last game of my first season was against Syracuse in the snow. That was uh, 2008, and uh, that was pretty miserable. It was cold. We lost to not a good Syracuse team. Uh, it was pretty miserable. So to get out of the slump there, uh, let's talk about the positives here. Did I call it or did I call it? What did I say last week? Notre Dame had to target Javon McKinley. He was the most underutilized weapon on the offense. And what happened? Seven receptions, 111 yards, 15.9 yards average per catch, and three, three touchdowns. We got a trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. No, not exactly, but three touchdowns, all right? It's not even the third week of Advent, and he's got three touchdowns, all right? So it's really, really great to see. Uh, thank you, Bagpipes. Ian Book, another great story from the game. He was 24 of 37 for 60 five percent completion percentage 285 yards that is his third highest yard total of the season three touchdowns one interception but ian book 30th win of his career he overpasses the likes of brady quinn overpasses tony rice a wonderful wonderful quarterbacks that i have enjoyed watching over the years and Ian Book here he is with his 30th win the leader of starting quarterbacks ever in Notre Dame history I want him to get three more before he leaves and well I think you can figure out what those three games would be Uh, that would be quite amazing and spectacular but rather than uh, county eggs or chickens here uh, let's keep moving on the home win streak Uh, stays alive at 24 games and Notre Dame now has 16 wins in a row their last loss was at Michigan last year in October so feel good Notre Dame fans Notre Dame is undefeated we got through most of our games uh, not playing Wake Forest more to come on that now some of the disappointments of the game Notre Dame did start off very very slow Uh, it took a while for us to finally get our first touchdown Uh, Twitter was a complete dumpster fire of a mess. Everyone, including myself, was just texting GD, MFB, what the hell? (laughs) Just just so much much alcohol intake going on. There were some of those uh, tweets and retweets going on about uh, more alcohol being necessary. Um, Notre Dame did not cover the spread against a team that is now uh, has one win under their belt. It's not good. And yes, Notre Dame did win by 24 points, but as a fan, and maybe this is Notre Dame entitlement coming out, but we want more. Syracuse is not good. And is this setting a bad standard for Notre Dame? Coming out slow. This happened in North Carolina. We were kind of trading points before we finally put them on lockdown, coming out slow against other teams. <clears throat> it's kind of a standard staple. And maybe that's we're, we're playing our cards close to our chest. We're trying to evaluate the team, and we're going to come out, uh, evaluate, and then proceed forward. 
hey, if that's that gets us wins, then so be it. But seeing some of these stats that I'm going to go through, it it really makes me think that and and makes me recall that we as Notre Dame fans have been hurt before. I really hope this is not a bad omen, uh, future letdowns or whatever. But I saw on Twitter someone made a comparison after the Notre Dame game and during the Clemson game, if Clemson's fans were having the same reaction to their Virginia Tech uh, response in the beginning of the Clemson game as the Notre Dame fans were in the first quarter. Um, I don't know if I got to give a like on that one, but uh, yeah, I think so, because I imagine Clemson fans thinks that their team is better than the Hokies. So the biggest concern is rushing defense. Um you know, maybe we're resting our starters. Maybe we're just, you know, taking our foot off the gas, which is probably true. But Syracuse had 229 rushing yards. Yes, Notre Dame ran for more, but 229 for Syracuse, a team that's one and nine. It's not good. Um, let's go through Notre Dame's rushing defensive numbers. They've limited their opponents to um, all the way through the present. 73 yards was their first defensive rushing amount for Duke, then 106, 153, 96, 44, 88, 34, 85, 87, then 229. You tell me which what is the outlier, okay? The next biggest one is 153 yards for Florida State, all right, a team with very good talent. Consider it this way, Notre Dame fans. The last three games combined, arguably Notre Dame's toughest opponents, Clemson, Boston College, and UNC, their rushing total combined is less than what we allowed Syracuse this last game. Chew on that and don't tell me not to freak out, okay? Why am I, is this a big deal? Rushing defense is the most important defensive stat do the math do the analysis but i'm going to give it to you here here's a shortcut national champions over the last 10 years average a rushing defense ranked 11.4 in the country notre dame for the the game we were ranked fourth in the country averaging our opponents to 85.3 yards per game so when we all of a sudden deviate from our average of 85 yards a game and allow an opponent 229 yards and this is not a, a this is not navy okay we're not playing georgia tech of yore right this is not the air force academy where we know they are going to run the ball and that's all they're going to do no this is a team that's actually a very pass heavy team and we let them run 229 yards in our house you can imagine that Clemson, their defensive coaching staff, all right, Brett Venables, they are going to watch this film. They are taking notes. We've got Clemson in two weeks, and they will be coming out on fire, ready for that game. And so we need to not have the door be cracked open like that and give Clemson any opportunity, any inkling into any of our weaknesses. Looking back at other games over the weekend, uh, first and foremost, the one that really jumps out is BYU. BYU traveled to Coastal Carolina and lost 17-22. to 
Coastal Carolina also remains undefeated. So BYU, uh, thank you. Uh, do your do your bow, do your curtsy there. Um, stage left, Coastal Carolina, the the popular kid now on the block here. Uh, welcome, uh, but I don't think you're going to make the playoffs either. Um, a- Alabama creams LSU 55-17. Yikes. Uh, yeah, they're, they're really good. Um, LSU sucks. Clemson 45 versus Virginia Tech with 10. Um, it was definitely a second half blowout. Very similar to Clemson versus Boston College where the first half was really close. I think actually Clemson was down in the uh, first half versus BC. But Clemson puts Vatek on lockdown in Blacksburg, takes takes them to the woodshed and just beats them up, steals their money, uh, you know, all that terrible, terrible stuff that happens in the uh, Good Samaritan parable. Um, all that terrible thing happened there to poor Hokies. Ohio State beats Sparty. No surprise there. Texas A&M and Florida, they both win. And both are, I think, kind of in the wing behind Alabama. Now, if something crazy happens where Alabama loses to Arkansas, which should not happen at all, uh, should never happen <laughs> unless it's, you know, 1983 and Lou Holtz and Jimmy Johnson are, are coaching or something for Arkansas. But anyway, um, Texas A&M and Florida are kind of in the wing. They're kind of like that step down tier two and it looks like Florida and Alabama are going to play for the SEC championship. But, you know, we're, we're not going to analyze the SEC and the potential playoff situation right now. Uh, but uh, more to come on that. That is definitely a story that is developing and we're certainly going to talk about next week. IU, your Indiana Hoosiers defeat Wisconsin 14-6. to IU continues to rise out of their ashes where they've been I think always. So <laughs> this is kind of nice for IU fans. Um, Purdue, I have no idea what they did because I just don't care about Purdue. Marshall, if any of you are Marshall fans, um, I don't know what their mascot even is. Um, but anyway, they fall to rice. I, I can't think of anything witty about uh, any sort of rice jokes or stir fry or, you know, fried rice, Uncle Roger kind of stuff. But uh, yeah. Uh, rice go owls who uh, and then Oregon they lose again <laughs> must be all the drugs over in Oregon moving ahead to this week since Notre Dame and Clemson are both not playing uh, and they're getting ready to play each other for the ACC championship damn that feels good to say there are some canceled games coming up breaking news do 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 this is where we get the the telegraph you know kind of uh, sound going on uh, or in the movie airplane all of a sudden the guy like gets handed a, a piece of parchment and then he starts playing the the xylophone on the other other xylophone if you don't know what i'm talking about then just just fast forward this piece but anyway um cincinnati They are kind of in the wing. I think they're ranked 7th or 8th right now in the playoff rankings. And their game just got canceled versus Tulsa. So any long shot that they may have had to make the playoffs is eliminated with this virus and with this pandemic. Um, I actually predicted that Tulsa was going to beat them anyway. But that's not going to even happen. IU and Purdue. Now, as of tonight, the 8th of December, that game is still on. IU paused quote unquote i don't know how you pause practice like is it like freeze tag and the and the players are like 
in mid of a route and they just stand there. No, that's not what it is. So I use official news press was that they paused practice and football operations. Maybe that game will be canceled versus Purdue. Who knows? I'm sure Purdue game fans want that game canceled because they're going to get their ass kicked by IU. At least that's what I'm hoping for. So more to come on that um, next week. Games also this weekend, of course, no Notre Dame versus Wake. So if you recall, Notre Dame and Wake were originally supposed to play this weekend at Wake Forest. That is not happening. That news actually broke last week, right after, the morning after I posted last week's episode. So whoops, I guess that's what happens when you record things um, live and then it goes out there on the internet. Uh, Things can change. Few other games of interest: UCLA versus USC. We want USC to die, um, so die Trojans, die go Bruins, get eaten by the Bears. Um, Ohio State and Michigan. So that game was going to happen. I was ready to press add to cart on my 100 to zero Ohio State shirt, uh, and nope, that got canceled today. Uh, I guess there's some COVID outbreak going on in Ann Arbor. Uh, people just, I guess, stopped showering up there or something, and that game got canceled. Now, the tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist is Michigan's having a terrible year. They just gave Harbaugh an extension, which is, I think, ludicrous, but hey, the rest of college football is kind of enjoying it. If you hate Michigan, you love seeing Harbaugh in there because he's just, just a joker. Is Michigan doing two things? One of two things. Number one, they're keeping their own fan base at bay. If this is basically the, the end of their season, um, it kind of quiets the fire and the, the pitchfork and torch people that are the hardcore uh, blue nation up there. In addition to that, Ohio State is a very good football team this year. I don't think I think they're actually a little overrated, but they're clearly better than Michigan. And they were going to beat the crap out of the Wolverines. Um, Ryan Day and his his squad was just ready to just lay it on them. Is Michigan, I'm not saying they're allowing COVID to happen and they're allowing this outbreak, but are they being a little extra cautious and saying, hey, uh, we don't want to embarrass the hell out of ourselves and we also don't want to mob internally, so maybe we'll just uh, not play and at the same time stick it to Ohio State and only have Ohio State with five games this season. More to come on that. Clemson's also off. Clemson's not playing Florida State. As I mentioned earlier, Notre Dame is not playing Wake Forest. And personally, I am okay with this. With the way the original schedule in the ACC was going to happen, all ACC teams were going to play 11 games, 10 in-conference games, and one outside opponent you know, a non-Power 5 kind of uh, blind girl school team. Compare the ACC, and and recall the ACC was one of the first conferences to come out and say, all right, here's our schedule, here's what we're going to do. Then the Big 12, the SEC, and then eventually the, the, the Big 10 Impact 12 came out and all that. But the point is, the original plan of 11 games is is starting to be whittled down because of this virus, because of the pandemic and all of that. Whereas other conferences are only going to be playing 10 games. Alabama is an excellent example of that, right? So is it 
any advantage to any team in the ACC right now to play their 11th game? The answer is no, because again, college football is based on voting, based on perception, and if they think that Alabama is number one anyway because it's Alabama, and they are really good, but Notre Dame doesn't gain anything by playing a 4-3 and three Wake Forest team. All right. They're ranked 34th in Sagarin. They don't have any big wins under their belt, right? So Notre Dame doesn't actually gain anything by beating up on them. If anything, they have nothing but to lose, right? You risk injury. You risk uh, getting COVID or some other terrible thing happening with your team while traveling, right? You know, there's an outbreak that happens of, of this virus among Notre Dame. Is this like a business where you have like a risk versus reward analysis, right? What are we really gaining out of this other than maybe television money? And of course, the uh, opportunity for, for us to watch our fighting Irish, you know, play. But do we really get a lot of joy out of watching Notre Dame play Wake Forest for the sixth time in the Brian Kelly era? No, they've already played five times and six times, really, like, enough with Wake Forest, right? I'd rather play any other team, literally, in the ACC, except for maybe Pitt and Boston College. There really are no stats we could pad. I really don't think that Ian Book is in a situation, go back to last week's episode, where he can, oh, if he just threw, you know, four more touchdowns, he'd be the touchdown leader and, and yards leader, and oh, he'd be that much closer to winning the Heisman that's not going to happen. All right. So, and, and he's not on the cusp on the razor's edge there. And if he just beats up on wake forest, all of a sudden he's going to have that opportunity. No, that doesn't happen. And that is not a very team oriented type of uh, outlook. So forget that. So really I'm okay with Notre Dame, not playing wake forest. They don't gain anything any from it. They don't benefit from it. Really. Um, I think it causes more harm and we have one extra week now to rest up, get healthy, and focus on Clemson. Let's go over film. Let's reevaluate. Let's get a little bit of uh, training in the weight room going on, and um, let's get after it. All right, let's move on to Clemson, and let's win the freaking ACC championship. All right, let's do it. Now, Ohio State is an interesting character here. Forget the piece where their game versus Michigan was going to be canceled. But say that game was actually going to happen this weekend and Ohio State beats Michigan 100-0. I click add to cart and I own that one piece of Ohio State uh, gear. Yes, I would actually buy that just to spite Michigan. Then they go 7-0 after beating, say, Northwestern in the Big Ten championship game. So now you have say a 11 and 0 Notre Dame team or a 10 and 1 team whatever you have an undefeated Alabama team at, at like 10 and 0 and a 7 and 0 Ohio State team so how is the playoff committee handling this you have one team with 7 wins one team with 10 granted no losses it's just back to this whole you know BCS perception BS all right it's 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 ridiculous now what's interesting is that Ohio State is not playing Michigan, they have only five games. All of them are wins, but let's look at who Ohio State has actually played. They've beaten a 2-4 and four Nebraska team, 
a 2-5 Penn State team, a 2-5 Rutgers team, a 6-1 IU, and a 2-4 Sparty. Their opponents are not good, and the only one that is keeping them up in the high perception is IU. Their schedule is terrible, all right? The Big Ten is beating itself up, and the this virus is beating them up too. But Ohio State, other than this perception and some of the stats they are putting up, but they're putting up these stats against not good talent. I would argue that some of Notre Dame's talent is is far superior of, of the teams they have played. You know, Boston College, look at North Carolina, Clemson, all right? Notre Dame's wins are certainly more convincing than Ohio State. Yet these jokers on ESPN, these people in the press and the AP have the balls and the audacity to claim that, oh, well, Ohio State is great. No, they're not. How are they good? They almost lost to IU. Honestly, IU beat themselves. And if IU was a little more well-rounded, I think IU would have beaten Ohio State. Go back to the previous podcast where I talk about this. But based on the rules of the Big Ten, it looks like Ohio State is not going to have six wins under their belt. And it certainly looks like the average of all games played in the Big Ten is going to be around six or a little less than six. So by the own rules that the Big Ten set up at the beginning of this season, would that disqualify Ohio State from playing in the Big Ten championship game. I read an article that said most likely Ohio State and IU would play again to see if they would then kind of like this, like not a coin toss, but essentially to confirm that Ohio State is better than them. And then they would go on to play Northwestern because Northwestern and Illinois look like they're still going to play this weekend. So who knows what's happening over there? I, th- I think it's, it's very early to tell. This is hot off the press. This is a hot analysis that you're not going to get from anyone else unless you're watching ESPN because you're bored out of your mind. Please stop watching that. Watch like The Mandalorian. Watch a Law & Order rerun. Watch MASH or something else. Shit, watch the news for crying out loud. Do not listen to ESPN and their bullshit. But anyway, getting out of the uh, hellhole that is the Big Ten, uh, let's talk about how awesome Notre Dame is specifically this season. Something I wanted to do since this is now the third year Brian Kelly has gone through the regular season undefeated at Notre Dame. First you had 2012, 2018 a couple years ago, and then 2020 this year. What I wanted to do is compare these three teams against each other versus what I believe are the 10 most important statistics in this order. Number one important statistic is number of touchdowns. That makes sense because you have to have more touchdowns than your opponent to win. Next, scoring offense. They go hand in hand. Then rushing defense, rushing touchdowns, third down defense, scoring defense, scoring margin. So you're scoring offense minus your scoring defense, total defense, total offense, and yards per point. Most of those are actually defensive stats. And how did I come up with these top 10 in this order? If you go back to a previous podcast episode, I know I'm beating the drum here. The national champion averages a high ranking in the ones at the top, and and their ranking slips on average as you go down. 
So first, number of touchdowns. In 2012, Notre Dame had 38 touchdowns. 2018, 51. And right now we have 48. Now, Notre Dame has gotten 48 touchdowns in 10 games. Compare that to 2018, 51 in 13 games. Yeah, so Notre Dame, I guarantee you, if they had played a normal, quote-unquote, 12-game regular season, they would certainly have more touchdowns than 2018. Next scoring offense, this team, 2020, is averaging 37.7 points per game. Compare that to 31.4 in 2018 and 25.8 in 2012. Rush defense, Notre Dame's rushing defense is actually better than it was in 2012. 2012 was 105 this year, averaging 99.7 yards for their opponent. Fantastic. By the way, that 99.7 is better than the national champion average of 104 over the last 10 years. Rushing touchdowns. Notre Dame has 30. That's three more than 2018 and seven more than 2012. Third down defense is better than the national champion and certainly better than the other two seasons. Notre Dame is sitting at 26.9%. Scoring defense, it's not the best. We're at 17.1, but that is just behind their scoring defense in 2012 of 12.8. Scoring margin. This was very convincing for me. Notre Dame is beating their opponents on average by 20.6 points this season. In 2018, it was 13.2, 2012, 13. Total defense, uh, second behind 2012. 2012 was 305. Notre Dame this season, 314 yards in total defense. Total offense, this is clearly the best, 474 yards. Next closest was 2018, 440 yards. And then the stat that I have invented here, yards per point. It's an efficiency thing. First, let's go worst to best. 2012 yards per point, Notre Dame was 15.97. That's a lot of field goals we had to kick there. 2018, we were 14.02, a little better. But this year, 2020, Notre Dame, their yards per point is 12.58. Very, very close to the national champion average, which is 11.8. So just under one more yard per point there versus the national champion average. So clearly, this is the best team Brian Kelly has put on the field at Notre Dame. It is looking so good that and some of these categories are better than the national champion average the the toast has to go out to kelly he has done an amazing job and here's why if you recall 2016 that was a very painful painful year and i personally thought brian kelly should have been fired at the end of that season so let's pretend that happened and some other coach that came from cincinnati some bearcat coach who had a win percentage of 65.5 at the end of 2016 with a record of 59 and 37 right after that notre dame hires a new coach some guy named brian kelly and he goes 10 and 3 then 12 and 1 and loses in the playoffs then 11 and 2 last year and 10 and 0 this season so far that would give new coach brian kelly 43 wins and six losses with a point 
87.878 win percentage. I'll say that again, 87.8 win percentage. Now compare that to Lou Holtz, but let's compare it to Lou Holtz's best years. Those are 88, 89, 90, 91, and 1993, where Lou Holtz was 64 and 10. His win percentage, 86.5. Compare that to 87.8 now for Brian Kelly. It is truly remarkable in this day and age of college football that Brian Kelly has been able to overcome the hell and the pit that he was in to come to this level. I'm not sure how he's done it, but he deserves all the credit in the world. My only hope going forward, yes, this is a very, very convincing win percentage over the last three seasons and now this, the fourth season of this new Brian Kelly. I truly, truly hope that he can win an ACC title and or win a playoff game, win us a title this season. Notre Dame under Brian Kelly has never, ever been poised for success like they have now. The team looks so together. They look like they are working hard. They are doing extra things in the weight room. There's this virus going on. They've had to do nothing but rely on each other. When you have a group of young men, I don't care if it's a business, I don't care if it's soldiers in the military or men on a football team. You have men that come together under specific pressures and rely and trust in each other and do anything and will take the bullet for the other guy for the benefit of the group, something special happens. This team, 2020, is in that position right now. The toast goes to Brian Kelly this week. Thank you, coach, for taking the team to this point. I am really excited for next week's podcast. Looking forward to analyzing Notre Dame and Clemson for a second time. Uh, it's it's going to be a wild one. It really is. I'm very hopeful, very optimistic, because the numbers don't lie. These these are the stats that Notre Dame is putting up. We have the opportunity to go in one year into the ACC, join a conference, take the trophy, and walk out and go back to independence. Wouldn't that be wonderful? I, I would be so excited. Grant, the ultimate goal is title. But if we could pick that one up too, that would be great. Thank you everyone for joining me tonight. Enjoy the week off. Uh, hopefully you get a lot of Christmas shopping done, some wrapping of all those presents. You know, you've got your tree picked out, all those other things. And if you're not, you're uh, celebrating Hanukkah or something. Uh, I believe Hanukkah is in two days when it begins. So as always, stay safe. Merry Christmas. Go Irish. Beat by week.